Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News, on covering the indictment this week in Washington. Okay, Jackson, a historical moment has happened this week, and it's unraveling moment by moment again. Let me just ask you, you know, covering this and getting to this all-important indictment, this is, is the one. I mean, being charged as a former president with attempting to overthrow an election is, is not something most of the world thought that we would see how how is it unfolding for you as a reporter? Let me ask you, first of all. You know, I think um, there's sort of been a sense that this has been a long time coming, right? People looked at the events of January 6, 2021. They looked at the lead up to that and all the things we saw with this president who was refusing to concede power. And I think there's sort of a sense of why has it taken so long to have some sort of accounting or reckoning for that? Because that was such an unprecedented moment and such an abuse of power, right? This idea that a president would not sort of uh, follow the well-established rules and procedures and, you know, groundwork of American democracy and cede power to someone else who had won the election. It's not something that we could imagine. And here we have these very surreal charges as you were covering it. You know, there was an expectation that perhaps the former president could do it again, watching for those who would show up. And as you pointed out in your coverage so correctly, it was a stone's throw from from where this had all happened before. But there were not there was not a huge crowd there supporting the president. No, it's kind of interesting. So I've been to all three of his indictments now, and uh, the biggest crowd was probably in Miami. Not surprisingly, Florida is Trump country. Uh, But there are regulars now who have made a point of going to all three of these. And these are both Trump supporters and Trump protesters. And there's a handful of them that have sort of made a road trip out of being at all three of these. Uh, Washington, though, is going to be a different beast of a trial for the former president because the city voted 95 percent in favor of Joe Biden. I think the city was largely traumatized by the events of January 6th. And so finding a sympathetic audience and a sympathetic jury in this town is going to be very difficult for Trump. And he sort of poured gasoline onto that fire as well by posting on social media uh, a whole bunch of sort of disparaging and derogatory things about the city on top of it all. Yeah, he is, you know, following it. And you see he's calling for help. He's calling for help from the Supreme Court. Jackson, you're not just covering a trial. I mean, this is a huge test of so many things, isn't it? It's a test of the judicial system. As I I read him saying, do something. The Supreme Court should interfere and come out and head to the streets. This is a test of democracy. This is a test of justice. This has a lot of other things on trial, not just a former president. It really does. And I think fundamentally, you know, the central allegation in the indictment is that Trump knew he had lost the election and yet he persisted with the lie. And he used that lie to try and persuade state level officials in seven different states. He tried to uh, persuade his own Justice Department to launch sham investigations. He tried to persuade his own vice president to interrupt the proceedings and overturn the election in his favor. And all of that speaks to, I think, a completely different view of presidential power than we've seen historically. Here's someone who makes no bones about the fact that the 
you know, mechanisms of government are there to serve him and him alone. And you've heard Trump's lawyers come out in recent days and say, yes, Trump was told he had lost the election. Yes, he accepted uh, that, or at least that information was conveyed to him. And now they're sort of trying to come up with some sort of defense around that. And, you know, maybe that is by claiming that he was receiving bad advice from what they're calling crackpot lawyers. But the point is, (laughs) here's a president who is willing to entertain that despite allegedly knowing better. And he is. And it's the names, isn't it? As we await who has flipped and who has not flipped is kind of a drinking game. And and look at Mike Pence, clearly the vice president who frustrated so many people who knew he was there. And we saw I know what I saw with my own eyes. We saw nooses hanging. We heard hang Mike Pence. And yet he would not betray his former boss, it looks like he is now. It's pretty strong words coming up from Mike Pence. Clearly, he was waiting for those formal charges because the word fear is involved in this in so many ways. Yeah. And I think, you know, the sort of takeaway at the end of the day, despite the actions of individual players, is just this hold that Trump has over his supporters. The fact that uh, in the eyes of those who support him, he can do no wrong. They believe every word about the election being stolen. They believe that Mike Pence sold out Trump. Uh, they don't see it as Mike Pence defending the Constitution or the country. And so it is really remarkable the sort of position that it has put all these players in. Uh, and who would have thought that Trump's number two guy would have been sort of the person holding the line to defend yeah. democracy at the end of the day? It's so true, isn't it? It really is. And as you say, the individuals in the hold, and I use the word fear. So that's that's part of the the enigma here. What are they frightened of and at what point will they frighten going to jail? I think that's the the question here. And when you look at how this indictment was handled down handed down, there are um six unnamed co-conspirators. We have a pretty good idea of who they are. It's likely to be people like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell. But the reason for charging them separately and not lumping them in with Trump's indictment is this idea that it will not only speed along Trump's trial, but also that perhaps there is leverage there for the prosecutors, right? Perhaps they can convince one or more of the six to flip against Trump and then alter their charges, give them a more lenient sentence. And I think that's going to be the most fascinating part of this trial is finding out who's ready to flip and who has already flipped and what sort of testimony of people like Mark Meadows, the former White House chief of staff, provided uh, to counsel here. It's going to be fascinating to watch. It may be incredible testimony. You know, as we see all this pushback, we see the defense and you're seeing it. You're seeing the conservative media and those online and people who worked with him, but not everybody. You have former lawyers like Ty Cobb. Coming out, I, I'm, you know, I think he had a quote this weekend. He's toast. So he, he does have some detractors, those who have turned and even his former attorney general. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting perspective. All this uh, is, you know, people like Bill Barr, people who uh, enabled Trump for a very long time. And yet this was the bridge that was too far. It is uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I think it's a bit of a shame just from a public interest and public accountability perspective, that the trial cannot be televised because it's in a federal court, right? So we're left to rely on sketches Mm -hmm. and and court notes, but uh, this could move along very quickly and, and just be a fascinating sort of punctuation point in history.
All right. You know, there may not have been crowds lining the street. Some of those who defended the Capitol that day showed up. I know you had an emotional interview with Daniel Hodges, who who was one of those defenders. Yes, uh, Daniel Hodges is the uh, uh, Washington, D.C. police officer who you've probably seen the footage of from January 6th. He was there in full riot gear being crushed in a door by Trump supporters. And he just lets out that that blood curdling scream Mm -hmm. in the video. And so I had a chance to speak to him about his thoughts on the indictments. And you're right, he was there in the in the courtroom to witness the arraignments. And, you know, I think the takeaway from him is that they are pleased, he and his fellow officers are pleased to sort of see this first step of accountability. They're really worried that if there is no accountability, that Trump or someone else in the future will learn from what happened on January 6th and the lead up to it and do it better next time and actually find a way to overturn the will of voters and cling to power. Or it could be Trump himself. He's laid it out, Jackson, very clearly. There is on top of that, that rallying cry for everybody to head to the polls and use democracy. There also is a blueprint that the former president has put out and it, it looks like a grab of power. So there's a lot to be concerned about here. There is. And, you know, this is where I think not all the indictment, not only the indictment against Trump, but the other ones that are trickling out in the states are so important and so fascinating. Uh, we saw, for example, in Michigan this week, uh, you know, uh, more indictments come out against people who had uh, obtained access to the voting machines. And I think a look at who had access to voting machines will be a big part of any indictments in Georgia as well coming out. And you realize that even if there is never any proof that Trump was coordinating directly with people working at the state level, you had independent actors who may have been motivated to do these incredible things like sign fake elector certificates, like try and bring in their own IT experts to figure out how to get access to voting machines. And it raises some serious questions about what may come in the future. Yeah, it does. It has a lot of ramifications, you know, as I cover this, and I'm sure you do, too. I mean, you're the Canadian eyes and ears in Washington. And this is a Canadian story. It's a worldwide story. But they're our closest neighbors. They protect us. We're, we're in the middle of a, a conversation about whether we're doing our part. We know that Donald Trump, when he was president, threw that out as a gauntlet to Prime Minister Trudeau and others. And he may pull out of NATO. He said he would. He said he wanted to unless people pay up. And even then, who knows? But Jackson, as you're covering it and and Canada is watching this, it's not just another country. It's a big thing. It is. I mean, we know that there is a a global movement uh, towards authoritarianism. Uh, That's certainly a, a big factor here. But also, I think remarkably, there is an appetite for that type of governance by, uh, you know, a substantial portion of the American population. There's some polling out just this week that shows that in a hypothetical matchup between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, both men are tied right now. It's not a question of uh, if Donald Trump becomes president, it's how does he get there? I mean, he's very close right now. The Electoral College tends to skew in favor of Republicans, and it's very possible that uh, if he stands as a candidate, he will be president again. And You know, the thing that always jumps out at me, Arlene, is Mm -hmm. politics aside, take the political labels off of all of it. Flashback to 2016, and there was so much concern about Hillary Clinton and this idea of, well, you can't have a president or presidential candidate who might be under investigation. 
how far we've come now in 2023 that you hear somebody who's facing multiple indictments, the real possibility of conviction and jail time, and you've got half the country saying, yep, that's exactly who we want as president. I mean, that is just a remarkable indictment on where we are in politics today. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.